And I would like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. <clears throat> Over the next few weeks, on Sunday, uh, we're going to be addressing kind of an important subject matter. And um, it's going to have a lot of application to it. Now, some it may be, not be an application that is right now. It may be something to reflect on. It may be something that you can take a look at as far as relationships go, uh, uh, for you. But there is, uh, it just, you know, it's a, it's something that the Lord has just continued to lay on my heart, continue to lay on my heart, prayerfully considering it, thinking about it. And I want to begin approaching this subject matter. And I will tell you this, if you are a young person in this uh, auditorium today, uh, there is a lot of material for you. There is a lot of material for you. Uh, if you are at a stage in your life where you are considering having a relationship with another person in a spousal or a marriage type relationship, these type of services, these are these are going to have a lot of application for your life. If you are an individual, a Christian that is searching for the will of God in your life, this, these services, these messages are going to have a lot of application for you. And I want us to start off by understanding this, that first and foremost, our counsel, our wisdom is only going to come from Jesus Christ. From the word of God, not from the world. The world today has their wisdom. We've talked about that this morning, talked about it, uh, uh, Wednesday nights in the book of James. There's a, there's an understanding that the world has a form of wisdom that is not godly, as it says in James. It is not from above. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. But the, the wisdom that we're talking about today is the wisdom that has always been with our Savior, that has always been with our Lord. It is not departed from Him. It comes solely from Him. It is the wisdom that is from above. And that is the wisdom that we're going to be looking at today. In Proverbs chapter 24 and in verse 3, it says, Through wisdom... Through wisdom. No other way other than through wisdom. And I want us to just kind of just focus on that phrase just for a moment. People will tell you there are other methods. There are other ways to do things. God says, no, there isn't. God says, through wisdom. And house is build it. And by understanding, it is established. Take a look at verse 4. And by knowledge shall, uh, shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's quickly pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. I thank you again, Lord, that you would just... Uh, uh, for, for what you've given to us, and Lord, I just pray that you would use it 
to uh, speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you'd give us a clear understanding from your Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, we want to worship you this morning. We want to worship you in spirit. We want that connection, Lord, and we want to receive something from you. And that's why we're here. And, Lord, we just we just pray that that would be the case. And, Lord, all the things of the world would be cast aside for a brief moment, anything that we think that the world has told us, that the world has taught us, that we think uh, uh, is right, Lord. I pray that we would take a look solely at what your word says and not what things of the world uh, is being taught to us. And Lord, we just pray that this morning would be pleasing and honoring unto you. I pray, Lord, you just be with me, uh, speak through me, that all of these things would be glorifying to your name and your word. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So right there, we have this beginning of an understanding about what God expects for us. Now, we can take this phrase and we can, if you will, look at this from a lot of perspectives, and we are going to. Because he's talking about a house that is being builded. Now, there's a lot of houses that we can build in our life. We can build houses of relationships. We can build houses with families. We can build houses in many other different areas of our life. But primarily, we're also building a house, and we need to understand that, that the Lord dwells in, as he talks about over there in 1 Corinthians, where he says, know ye not that the Holy Ghost dwells in you? He says very clearly that, that, uh, uh, that the Lord is the one that has that foundation that has been laid, and upon that we are to build specifically using certain materials. So we understand this concept that we are going to be building something. And I want us to take a look at this in, 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 you know, reflecting in our lives about what it is we're building. Every single relationship, every single thing that we're doing for the Lord, our families, there has to be a foundational principle as this scripture is pointing out, and it starts with wisdom and understanding. We can't build anything without it. This is the foundational principles. This is what we begin to look at in our Christian life. So here we are taking a look at this, and I'll tell you this. The one thing that we know about wisdom is this. Wisdom produces a certain fruit. We find it here in verse 4 where he talks about this this wisdom and understanding that is being used to build this house, to establish, you know, have a foundational principle, if you will. And in what it's going to do is it's going to take that, and with that knowledge, it's going to begin to have that fruit where we begin to put, as he says here, a precious and pleasant riches. Now, again, I am not talking about anything physical. I am not talking about prosperity. I'm not saying that, you know, if you're in the will of God, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and no, we don't, we don't buy that. Because if there's one thing I know is that when you take a look at Job, Job was doing everything right. He had some problems. He lost it all. And his friends came along with their prosperity theory and said, Hey, you must be out of the will of God. 
No, he wasn't. He may have had some tweaking he needed to do in his life. He may have had some things he needed to get taken care of, and he did when he saw and he responded to the Lord. But I will tell you this, we're not talking about physical things. We're not talking about physical things because you know what? You can have a ton of physical things in your life and you can be absolutely miserable. But I'll tell you this, you can have the spiritual connection with God. You can have wisdom of God in your life from the word of God. You can have an understanding. And you know what? You can have not a lot of things, but you can have a family that is pleasant and precious. And if you are, if you will, you are rich because of that. We want to be rich in our relationships. We want pleasantness and preciousness. Because those things come from God. So it starts with the wisdom that produces a certain type of result. Wisdom is always going to produce a certain type of consequence, if you will. We need to understand that. The book of Proverbs talks about that. The book of Proverbs, if you will, is is taking what it says in Galatians, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The book of Proverbs addresses that and says, If you do this, here's your result. If you do this, here's your result. You do things that are foolish and unwise and sinful, you will have consequences of death, destruction, misery, torment, and things of that nature. You do things that are, are, are uh, um, if you will, godly and things that are righteous and things that are based off of truth. This will be the result for that. You will have those things that are wisdom and peace and, if you will, joy that is brought about in your life. God shows those consequences in the book of Proverbs. Consequences are good or bad, all depending upon what the action was that caused it. So when we start taking a look at this, let's look at it from the perspective of we are going to build something. We're going to build something. You know, he, 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 turn over real quickly to the book of Psalms in Psalms chapter 71. I want you to see something here in Psalm 71. <clears throat> I want you to see uh, how the psalmist, if you will, kind of declares this fruit of his relationship with God. In Psalm 71, it says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust? Never let me be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may resort, or excuse me, continually resort. Thou hast given a, a, a commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. So let's start off with this building of the foundation. The building of the foundation. And if I wanted to title this message, this would be talking about building the foundation. And here we are building this foundation. He says, here's this relationship that happens. When he continually resorts 
to God for answers, when he continually resorts to God for the encouragement, when he continually resorts to God for knowing the will that is in his life, when he continually does that, he begins to produce a certain type of fruit, and that is the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of the word of God, the foundation. The foundation. We all need a foundation in Jesus Christ. And if you are here today and you have not trusted your Christ as, as your Savior, you have not had the forgiveness of sins, and you do not have a home in heaven with eternal life, then I dare say your foundation is going to falter. Yeah. And we'll get to those passages in Matthew in just a moment. But your foundation is not rock solid. It is as solid as sand. It is, it it, it is volatile. It will move. It will shift. It will do whatever is, whatever is being pushed or pulled or affected by it. But what we need to understand is this, is that when we have that resorting to God, continually, as this psalmist says, we will begin to establish that foundation. The foundation is started when you trust Jesus Christ. Let's continue to build on that foundation from the word of God. That is the idea and the concept. He is the chief cornerstone of the foundation. We need to align all the rest of the blocks of our life before we start building this house. And this is the wise way that we do it is we start with Jesus Christ and then go from there. He becomes that point at which all things converge and everything is based off of. When that cornerstone is laid, from there we draw a line that way, we draw a line this way, we form the rest of the foundation that is builded upon him. This is the concept that we see in scripture. So I want to give an example. You know, you, you take a look in the very first verse here. And he says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never let me be put to confusion. You ever try to teach somebody something? Try to tell somebody something? Try to explain something to somebody? And you get the deer in the headlights look? You get the blank stare. You just get some things. The other day, you know, my daughter was reading something, and she read something specifically, and she said, I have no idea what what any of those words, she's like, I, I don't even know what that means. And I'm sitting there going, well, I know what it means. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's pretty evident. But sometimes that confusion that we have in our life is because we do not have those foundations set properly. Because we haven't continually resorted to the Lord. And, Have you ever been in a point in time in your life where you have wanted to know what the will of God is, but yet it seems somewhat elusive? Young people, this is for you. 
How do you know that the person that you are currently looking at for your spouse is the will of God for your life? How would you answer that question? How would you respond if somebody said, is that truly what God wants? First and foremost, let me ask you this question. Have you even asked that question before you started dating or courting? Have you stopped to ask that question and say, hey, look, I I, I want to know if this is really truly the will of God to marry this person. Because we should desire to know what the will of God is in every area of our life, including who we have as a spouse. Because if we don't have the right spouse, we've got a problem. We're going to have an issue. Because if a believer marries an unbeliever, there's going to be a conflict in the house. From the very start, you're starting with strife. Nobody wants that. You're like, well, we can kind of get... No, no, no. If you love the Lord, you will not get along with that person. There will be an issue. Both individuals must start with this. And I will tell you, the way you begin to determine whether or not that person is the right person that God has put in your life is you begin to look at what their foundation is. You look at their foundation and you ask this question. Do I see the fruit of the wisdom of the word of God in their life? If you don't, and you see the worldly wisdom, beware. That person may not be right for you, but I love them. You should be very careful about how you give your heart away. Be very careful. That heart doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And you should give it according to the way that the Lord says. Start asking that question. Is this the will of God? Is this the will of God? So here we are, you know, as a group of believers, and we've got a mixed group of, of some that are aged and some that are young. And I will tell you this, you know, as, as us as aged, let's not exclude ourselves from this conversation. Let's ask this question, how can we as believers in the form of edifying and admonishing and teaching, as we talked about this morning, how can we ensure that the younger individuals in this body, in this the body of Christ, in, in, in our congregation uh, in our lives in our family our sons our daughters how how can we get them ready for that courtship stage how can we get them ready for that next part of their life the biggest decision you will ever make in your life is whether or not you choose to trust trust jesus christ as your lord and savior The next one is, is who am I going to marry? 
Those are big, big, big questions, right? When we begin to ask this question, we need to take a look at our lives and say, am I demonstrating to others that this is the right way to establish a relationship? The same thing is true when you begin to look at your friends. This applies to everybody of every age. We have relationships with other people. Is that, is that relationship being built on the wisdom of God? What's the fruit of that relationship going to produce? Is it going to fill the rooms, the chambers with precious and pleasant riches? Or is it going to fill it with strife, discord, confusion, heartache, problems, trauma, all of that? What's it going to produce? What is it going to produce? Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus Christ here is teaching, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. As he goes through this, he gets to, and we're going to look at the last part of uh, um, uh, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to take a look in verse 24 here in just a moment. But I want you to understand that he is teaching a principle about establishing the foundation. A principle about establishing the foundation. And I want you to keep this in mind. If there is one thing that I can guarantee that's going to happen in your life, and dare I say, I would be a bit of a prophet in saying this, you are going to have some wind and some waves and some rain beat down on you in your life. If you don't think that's going to happen to you, I want you to do something for me. Here's a homework assignment. Go ask some of the people in this church. Have you ever had troubles in your life? (laughs) Have you ever had a problem? Let me just do a survey. I'll do it for you right now. Everybody that has had trouble in their life at some point in time, I want you to raise your hand and say amen. Amen. Okay, there you go. Those that have never had one lick of trouble and you've just been sailing through and it's been, you know, uh, if you will, beds of ease and flowers and roses and everything's been so pleasant, never had any problems ever at all in your life. There you go. <laughs> you understand the concept that, 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 that this is going to come. Jesus Christ teaches it's going to come. He says, look, if you trust Christ as your Savior, you are going to have tribulation. You're going to have some things. But let's take a look here in verse 24. He says, uh, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, word of God, okay? Heareth the sayings of his is the word of God. Okay, let's understand that principle. He's saying, if you listen to what God's saying to you, here's some things. What is going to happen? That wisdom of the word of God. Here's going to be the results. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. They actually apply it. They just don't sit in a church service and just go, uh-huh. And then when the service gets out, man, they're going out there. And the whole rest of the week, they're living like the devil. And then they come back and, and quote-unquote, they want to recharge their batteries. 
Church isn't about recharging your batteries. Because if you're waiting a week between recharging batteries, there's something wrong. And if you want to do that, then let me just give you another challenge, another homework assignment. What I want you to do is I want you to eat today and then don't eat the rest of the week. And then you can come back and you can eat on Sunday again. You'll be like, I can't do that. Like, well, it's intermittent fasting. No, 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 that's called stupidity. (laughs) You're going to cause some physical harm. Trust me, from somebody that was laying in a hospital bed and really couldn't eat a lot of things and had some problems, I lost a lot of weight really quickly. Not healthy, by the way. And it's had a major effect on my body. I would not recommend that to anybody. That's not the way the Word of God works. You should be, if you will, feeding yourself from the Word of God every single day. Multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. You should take up, if you will, and this is a complete, if you want, if you want to, if, uh, you're looking for something in your life to grab a hold of and to just take and run with it, you need to become a snacker on the Word of God. We got any snackers in here? You know, you walk by the pantry and immediately the door just opens for you. You walk by the countertop and immediately there's something there. And what do you do? You take a handful of that and you snack your snacks throughout the day, something of that nature. You're a snacker. Okay? You need to do that with the Word of God. Every single day. Every single day. Open up the Bible, look at a verse, read it, go, oh man, that's good. Okay, think about it. Close the book, go back to doing what you're doing, meditate on it, think about it. Become a snacker. Here's the idea. He says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, a foundation, a foundation, somebody that hears and somebody that does the word of God. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. They came. He couldn't stop it. And it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. A house that is builded by wisdom is going to be on this rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of the word of God. It will not fall. It will not fall. People got excited because the divorce rate in the United States of America declined. The reason it declined is because people aren't getting married. They're living together. By the way, God says no to that. Let's just establish that. God says no. You know what God says? Get married. Take it up with him, not me. That's the way he intended it. So here we are, we're looking at this, and I'll tell you this. If that's not the foundation, when a little problem comes, you know what's going to happen to that family? You know what's going to happen to that household? It's going to be blown apart. Because look at the next thing. He says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, they shall be like an unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. Now, I want to read the next verse because it says here, and it came to pass when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And I want to focus on that one word right there, doctrine. Doctrine is truth. Doctrine is truth. They were astonished at the truth of what he just said. And some of you may be sitting here today, sitting there thinking about this, and if you will, analyzing your life, and maybe something's coming up in in your life where maybe you're interested in somebody, or maybe there's a relationship that's that, that, that's already in place, whatever it is, whatever's happening, whatever's going on, whatever it is you're building in your life right now, I will tell you this, be astonished by the fact that Jesus Christ has the truth and gravitate towards it. Do not disregard the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Do not disregard it. This is doctrine. What he taught, he taught as a doctrinal principle that is applicational for every area of your life. You know, you think about this for a minute. Sands change, don't they? You go to the Oregon coast and you find that that sand moves about and all different things. You can go to the beach one day and it looks one way and you go to the beach the next day and it looks totally different. You can dig a hole out there right by where the tide comes in and if you come back three or four days later, you're not even going to be able to find where you dug the hole. Why? Because the sand is constantly moving. There's no foundation. There's no foundation. You go out to the deserts where the wind blows and, and, and there's no moisture or anything of that nature. And when it blows, it blows all over the place and it shifts in those sand dunes. You can't tell one sand dune from another sand dune. And then when you go out there and you think, well, okay, I know there's three sand dunes to get to this point. You go out there the next day and there's no sand dunes. You go out there the next day, there's five sand dunes. Why? Because it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. So what do we begin to understand by this principle? The things of the world are constantly changing. The wisdom of the world is constantly changing. The wisdom is not something that you can use as a solid foundation when you go through a trouble or a trial or something happens in your life. What we begin to understand is this. That we as Christians need to know that the word of God is going to be that principle that keeps everything together. That holds it all together. You know, I often think about that. It it talks about uh, over there about Jesus Christ, all things consist. All things consist. All the matter that we see in the universe, what ties it together, that, that if you will, subatomic, uh, um, if you will, magnetism power that holds everything together, that's Jesus Christ. That's who, that, that's what holds this, this, this all together. And I will tell you this, what holds you together emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually is Jesus Christ. Without him in your life, 
you will not be able to weather what is going to come. You can't. This is a doctrinal principle that Jesus Christ taught. Going back to Proverbs chapter 24, uh, I want us to see again, see this here. Uh, we, we, we see these materials with which uh, uh, we build this house. It's wisdom and understanding. It's wisdom and understanding. We're starting off with this foundation, and that's the material with which we have to build. We can't use anything else. We can't use the things of the world. We can't use our own ideas. We can't use that which is right in our own eyes. We can't use the opinions of man or the traditions of man because those things all change. As I've often said, if there's one way to determine whether or not a a, a, a religion of sorts is a false religion, ask how many times it's changed. If it has to have a group of guys or, or people there that talk about how it changes frequently and how it responds to the current environment and societal uh, uh, issues of the day, uh, there is a problem with it. The Word of God, while it has been written a long time ago, is just as applicable as it was then as it is today. You, you, you cannot escape that. This, this book transcends any time period, past, present, and future. Why? Because it is a supernatural book, and God operates outside of time. We have to understand that concept. But here we're talking about wisdom, and we're talking about uh, these things. But again, they're the foundational elements, as he says right there in verse 3, by understanding it is established. This is where we begin to build. This is how we begin to, to, to form these relationships. This is how we begin to form things in our personal life. It's Jesus Christ. It's the will of God. It's the word of God. Let's go back to that question. How do I know I'm making the right choice for a spouse? How do I how do, how do I know that's the right choice? This is a frequent example I'm going to be bringing up because why? Because I believe this. I believe, and I've heard this said, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but but I I will I will wholly attest to this. We live in a day and age where it is no longer acceptable to simply say, well, he's a good Christian boy. We no longer live in a day and age where it's acceptable to say, well, she goes to church. We need to be very wise about these things. Because there are a lot of people that are in the church that may be saved, but are not living like they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. There are a lot of people that come to the church that may not be even trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. They may just come because. They don't come to please God. They don't come to worship God. They may come out of selfish motives. They may come out for whatever reason. 
But let's understand this concept. We are living in a very different day and age right now. You know, back a, a, a while ago, you know, somebody that went to church, you'd be able to say, well, that, that's a good start. Man, nowadays, you never know. Because there's some churches that I would dare say they're not really churching. <laughs> you look at their services and you go, I don't even know what that was, but that was not church. There was nothing that was being taught that was even scriptural or remotely Doctrinally true. How, how, and and let's ask this question. How young people that may be interested in, and and if you're older and you're going to get married, okay, great. But, but let's ask this question. How do you get yourself ready for the relationship before you're even in the relationship? Because when you enter into the relationship, that's not the time to start making sure you're right with God. You missed a step. You now have to go remedial and go backwards. Before you even enter into that relationship, you need to make sure your foundation is sure so that you can say without a shadow of a doubt, the person that God has placed in my life is truly the will of God for me. And here's why. Because of the wisdom that is produced. And I will tell you this, the wisdom, and we'll get to this in these, if you will, this series, we'll get to this at some point Wisdom is also going to produce with that precious and pleasant riches. You know what that is? Those pleasant and pre- or those precious, pre- I'll get it out. Precious and pleasant riches are this. Very specifically, it is your discernment and the judgment that God is going to give you about saying this is the right or the wrong person. Proverbs 2 just follows that right up. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Here's how you start, though. How, how do you get yourself ready? It's with Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. <clears throat> Let's start there. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter three, and I want you to take here. Uh, um, in verse 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. God uses two types of typology when he talks about the Christian life. He talks, us, uh, talks about us as trees bearing fruit, okay? So there's a husbandry element to it. There is, a, if you will, a farming application. Or, excuse me, illustration. But then he says there's another illustration, and that is the building process. That's putting something together. And he says very clearly, ye are God's building. Let's understand the possessive nature of that word, God's. You're not your own. He covers that in a couple chapters later. But here he says in verse 10, he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. He's saying, look, you know, God has given me some 
some instructions here. I know, I know what he, he's saying. He knows what he's talking about. God has given him some grace, some wisdom to be able to say to these individuals, this is how you're going to build. And here he says, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. You need to make sure you're taking heed about how you're building on that foundation. And that's what those whole chapters about. We'll get, you know, eventually get to those things. But I want you just to take a look at this in verse 11. He says, for other foundation can no man lay than that it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's where you start. There's where you start. You start taking a look at the wisdom that God gives you and you begin to discern something. You start asking the questions of this. Before I enter into that relationship with that person that may or may not be my spouse, do I know their testimony of how they trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you don't know the testimony, ask. And if they just go, well, I've always believed in God, eh, red flag. The devils believe and tremble, but they're not saved. Ask the question. You're like, well, that's awkward. Who cares? If there's one thing I've ever learned about this whole concept of marriage and, 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 you know, having a relationship, and, and I'm sure my wife is going to say amen. Marriage is awkward. (laughs) It's awkward. I'll be a little transparent, just on, just so you understand. There was one time, me and Amy were driving down, we're driving down a road. We came to a stop. I was kind of feeling a little good about the fact that you know, this is my wife. I look over at her. I grab her arm. I start kissing up her arm. And you're like, oh, this is too much. TMI, TMI. <laughs> and the guy over in the other car looks over at us, makes eye contact with, with, with Amy, and, and he just looks and he goes, <laughs> awkward. It's awkward. So you know what? If it's awkward to ask about a person's salvation and whether they're trusting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, get over it. There will be other awkward things in life. More awkward things. But it should never be awkward to ask whether or not a person is trusting Jesus Christ. Why? Because that may be an opportunity for you to lead them to the Lord. You're like, well, I, I, I think, I think they're saved. Don't think. I know that sounds weird. But don't think. Make sure. Don't assume. Don't hypothesize. Get the real fact. That's what we do. You start with Jesus Christ as that foundation. You start with him as that foundation. You know, before anybody it, it, it starts a relationship, we you know we have to specifically 
uh, look at and ask what is our foundation? What is their foundation? And, and, and that solid foundation should be Jesus Christ and it should be the relationship they have with Jesus Christ. What I mean by this is they may tell you, hey, yeah, this is when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and things like that. Great. Hallelujah. Praise God. They're saved. But ask about the continued relationship. Going back over there where we look at that, what the psalmist said, he says that he continually resorts to God. Does that person continually resort to God? Does that person continually resort to his word for the foundation of his life or her life, what does it look like? Do they have a relationship with Jesus Christ or are they just saved and that's it? And they've never grown since. It's tough when you've got one person that is growing in Christ and the other one isn't. That creates some strife in the house. That creates strife in a relationship. Are they actively growing? Is there evidence of this? Because let's, let's again, let's just be very plain about all of this. If you're basing whether or not you're going to get married off of somebody's looks. Looks fade. The Bible talks about it. You know, beauty's going to be there and then it's going to disappear. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, I had a Sunday school teacher one time, um, uh, the, 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 he was talking about, you know, looking at marriage and stuff like that. And he said specifically, he said to the girls, and, and he was a very fit guy. He was actually special forces, um, with the, the army. And, and he, he said this, he said, girls, if you're looking for that guy that's all the beefy hunk and everything, you know, he's got the muscles and the six pack and all that stuff. He says, yeah, just wait till you get married. <laughs> He says, all that muscle eventually turns to flab. It happens. It's the nature of our bodies. They can try to work out and they can try to maintain it and things like this, but I'll tell you this, it changes. You can't control that. You've got to build it more on the physical lust. You got to build it more off of physical attraction. It's got to be a spiritual connection the way that God intended it to be. That's truly what relationships are about. You know, as I said, you know, the days are, the days are, have, have, have come to an end where we can say, well, you know, he's a nice Christian boy and he goes to church or, well, yeah, she's in youth group with me and, you know, things going to be all right. Everything's going to be great. You know, we grew up in church together. You know, look, you and I, we've all seen people come and go from this church. We've all seen people make decisions to live for themselves. We have all seen people fall away. And the, in the area that falls away the most 
are the young people. Because the world teaches them, go out and sow the wild oats. Go out and live your life. It's yours. Well, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not yours. It's his. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> it, it, it's a sad fact when, when, when this current statistic is this. 48% of children born in the United States of America are born outside of marriage. That's a sad thing to think about. It's a really sad thing to think about. We start realizing that. But you know what? Our relationship with Jesus Christ is where everything flows from. It's where everything begins, you know, that established thing. So much so that I want to read something to you specifically, and I'm going to read this. You know, at one point in time, Harvard used to be a Christian Christian college. You know what their founding statements say? Their founding statements. Think about this. This is, you can ask yourself later on whether or not they're really following this anymore. Uh, This is the founding statement. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, John 3, or John 17, 3, and what John 17, 3 says, and this is the, uh, this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, and therefore to lay, uh, and therefore to lay Christ as the only foundation of all sound wisdom, sound knowledge and learning, and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. That's what Harvard said as an educational standard. That was their intent, was to teach all of these individuals, every student, this. Every Christian needs to take that. So we begin to sit there and think, okay, is this the will of God? And again, you know, we ask the question, am I marrying the right person? Is this the right person for my life? We have to ask that question. What are their foundational commitments to the person of God, Jesus Christ, who he is? If there is none, then I dare say that's not the right step. That's not the right direction. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. We'll close with this, Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 is a parallel passage of what uh, Jesus Christ said over there in Matthew chapter 7. But I want you to see this very clearly. In verse 46, and he, it says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's a very powerful verse in its own right. Whosoever cometh uh, to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. And I want you to look at this. This is where we're going to focus. 
And he is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. He digged deep. You know what we need to do in our Christian life? We need to dig deep into the Word of God. We need to dig deep into our hearts. We need to ask ourselves primarily, what is my foundation of what I believe? What is my foundation of my life? What is the foundation of my decision-making? What is the foundation of how I judge things? What is the foundation of my discernment? What is the foundation of who I am? These need to be asked before we even can start asking the questions of, is that what we see in the other person? We start there. And I want to close with this. I want all of us to think and meditate on those verses. To think and meditate on Proverbs chapter 4. Because as we continue to talk about this and as we continue to get more involved in the direction and things of this nature, we're going to ask some very specific questions about relationships. And I want to encourage you to do this. If you are here today and you are starting a new relationship with somebody, you're thinking about a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, be here for all of this. Invite your friends to come and hear this. Because this stuff isn't taught anymore. Very infrequently does it get taught in homes. Very infrequently does it get taught anywhere else. But it's something that is a principle of the Word of God that we need to understand. It's a principle of doctrine that God wants us to to really get a hold of because there are going to be troubles in your life. And what I want us to know is this. If we have Jesus Christ as that foundation, we have the Word of God, and we've dug deep, and it's taken root, and we've got a foundation that is built on that rock of Jesus Christ, we will be able to stand because of Him. Not because of us, but because of Him in us. If you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't said, Lord, I need forgiveness of sins because I know I'm on my way to hell, Because that's the punishment of sin. If you've never done that, let me tell you, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died on the cross and took your punishment for your sin so that you don't have to. He died for you. Why? Because he wants that relationship. 
And that relationship with God starts with Jesus Christ. It's going to be hard to understand why we look at these things and why we go through the things the way that we go through them according to Scripture if Jesus Christ isn't that foundation. Ask yourself, am I truly trusting Him as my Savior? If you haven't today, I encourage you to come. We'll sing a hymn of invitation. You can come. Nobody, and there's nobody in this building that is going to judge you as you walk up an aisle. They're going to be rejoicing. If you're here today and maybe you realize, man, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I don't know if I'm building with wisdom. I don't know if I'm establishing with the understanding of the Word of God, with Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to change something. Look, that's not my conviction. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Get it taken care of today. Resolve to get that taken care of. Get it corrected. If you need help with that, come to me. Come to some other individuals. Go to There's people here that, that, that want to help you and show. And look, if, if you're here and, and somebody comes to you and you don't have the answers, look, there are people that can help. But I'll tell you this, the only answers you need are going to be found from the Word of God. The only way you're going to find out the will of God for your life is to go to the Word of God and use that as that foundation. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you again, Lord, for what you've given to us from your word. And I pray, Lord, that while it is a very weighty subject this this morning, that, Lord, we would truly, truly desire to seek you, to seek you as our foundation, knowing that the only way that we're going to be able to stand in this life and stand against those storms is to have that foundation with you. And I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us, providing that guidance and direction, giving us your Holy Spirit to teach and to lead. And Lord, I pray that we would respond this morning, that we would think on this, that it would not just be another sermon, but Lord, it would be something that truly changes us and the way we think and the way we do. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.